Hey there everybody, it's uh, Alex, we're recording on a lovely Thursday night, we're in Manhattan, I believe it's about 30 degrees outside, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm cuddled up here with my flat iron mug and some Gatorade, and my buddy Ryan. That's right, the cold wind is rattling on the window as we send our voices out amongst the clouds, through the sound waves, through the wire, right to you. I'm talking to you. Directly in your ears. And tonight we're gonna, we're gonna laugh, we're gonna cry, we're gonna have a tale of woe, a tale of triumph. Maybe we're gonna make some friends along the way, I don't know. But we're gonna read some fan fiction. How does that sound? That sounds stellar. I'm excited. I, I haven't been this excited since last week. Oh. The first time is always the best, but the second time is always the second best. Well, I like to think that the more you do it, the more use you get to your partner, and it gets better that way. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like to think so. Yeah. So, if we weren't clear last week, one of the components of this podcast is that one of us will read the story and present it to the other. So last week, when I read the Pokephilia, Ryan had never read it before. So this week we switched off. We're switches, is mm. what I'm saying. Is what I'm saying. Exactly. So Ryan this week read something. I have no idea what it is. Yes, you have no idea. All I know is that it's titled Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Now. For the sake of us not um, spamming, I want to talk about Fortnite for like a blink so that I can tag Fortnite. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I can genuinely say we talked about Fortnite. Right. So what an awful game. Hot take. Just an absolute hot take. Just an absolute (laughs) leech to society. Yeah. Everything about it. But it's free. It's free and that's the reason it's big. And I totally support studios making free games but i don't support them making them like pay to win you don't necessarily need to pay to win. well i don't think you pay to win you pay to look different but if you're six years old you pay with your mom's credit card to just be annoying if you are stupid enough to let your kid have your credit card when they're six you deserve to spend a hundred dollars on v bucks exactly a month yeah yeah all right, so that's our Fortnite talk now i can i can put it in the tag rise up battle royale Hey, maybe this is a fic about Fortnite. You don't know. I have no idea. You have no idea. Uh, so before you read the fic, is there anything you want to get to? You want to talk about our, our opening topic? Yeah. Perhaps. Let's do that. Okay. So last week we talked a little bit about you know what is canon, and I think that was a pretty important conversation. You know, we're really leading the dialogue here. Mm-hmm. I think we're breaking new ground. Of course, no one's talking about this, especially not about ones. how bad Fortnite is. No one's talking about that. Boycott Fortnite. Yeah, boycott Fortnite. And Gillette. Now, thanks Fortnite for sponsoring this yeah, video. By yeah. the way, hey, shout out Fortnite. I uh, still don't know. Can you get, get in your trouble? Feedbacks. Can you get in trouble for saying that? No, that someone sponsored no. the video. Okay, thanks no. Apple for sponsoring this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, shout out to Apple. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, anyways, so we were leading the conversation, the national dialogue about what is canon. And for some people, Pokephilia might be. And if that is, I really wish you'd go see a specialist. But 
for those of us who it's not, I think there are other uh, important things we can talk about in this conversation. Yes. And one of which I think is a little interesting is uh, don't get offended, people. I'm, Christianity. I've already started typing up several tweets. I, do- I dropped the C-bomb again in this one. Again. Jesus. Uh, so basically what I'm saying is that, you know, the Old Testament was written over a period of hundreds, hundreds of years, perhaps thousands of years. And then at one point, a bunch of guys got together and said, what's canon? And they actually had basically like canonical conventions and different interpretations, different stories. We went to a canonical convention in Orlando. Really? Oh, Megacon. Yeah, Megacon. There was a canonical convention. It's the modern day equivalent. Of course. Modern myths. Modern Mm -hmm. myths. But they're saying Christianity is a myth, people. Just just let me talk. Um, Please boycott Suck My Fanfic. So we get two less listeners. Hashtag awesome. cancel suck my fans. Let's, <laughs> let's blow it up, people. Let's do it. Um, so a couple thousand years ago, they had basically like a canonical convention with a bunch of rabbis to figure out what the Old Testament was. And then after Jesus, there was... Was this at like a Hyatt? Probably. I think it was the uh, the Jerusalem Hyatt. No, no. Could have been like a, like a double tree. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think they necessarily had a ton of fans and and like us you know they were still growing at that time probably Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely centralized they haven't spread out yet no no no, they have not been cast out 12 tribes and all Mm -hmm. no uh but yeah so after jesus they also had a convention and that's when we have the new testament so it's interesting to think about how the books of the bible were curated by somebody or a group of people absolutely yeah so it's not like this is the end-all, be-all. Human beings had to figure this out. <clears throat> and so, you know, we had this one convention, and then hundreds of years after, people keep adding to it. And so I wanted to talk about some, I don't want to say myths, but some misunderstandings in Christianity that weren't in the Bible or weren't originally interpreted that way. Sound good? That sounds good to me. Yeah. I'm, again, I'm going to reiterate. I can bring absolutely no intellectual weight to this conversation. <laughs> I'm just going to give you the layman's do it yeah, interpretation of everything you say. Uh, so I have a little list pulled up. Uh, one of them is uh, in the Garden of Eden. It is not specifically referred to as an apple. No? No, just a fruit. That's why some people think it's a pomegranate. And there's actually a type of pomegranate uh, that's native to the Middle East, which I believe is called a King David's pomegranate. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So pomegranates are really important in that region, and apples aren't as important. So, Do they grow apples in that region? Uh, I don't know. I'm isn't not going to lie to you. Isn't the Garden of Eden supposed to be in like Jackson, Mississippi? If you're a Mormon, of course. Absolutely. Mm. So maybe it was like a, a, a corn stalk. Could be. An ear yeah. of corn. Yeah, well, that's not a fruit. It could be a tomato. Ah, thank you. It could be a tomato. Yeah. Um, which is also a New World food, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Take that, Italians. Yeah, no no, no a pizza sauce. Yeah, no a pizza pie. Uh, but I believe it being referred to as an apple got popular through Paradise Lost by John Milton. Yeah, which uh, I do own a copy of that. But yeah, so it was originally referred to as a fruit. Mm-hmm. 
So there's a little nugget there. So it's not – I'm not pointing it out to be like, ah, your religion's not real. I'm mm-hmm. pointing it out to say that – It's interesting. We have this this human imagination and this basically like quilt of ideas of what this body of thinking is. Mm-hmm. And there are – you know, people keep adding to it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in – 200 years i guarantee there will be more harry potter things and it's not going to be jk rowling obviously but someone who owns it at the time is going to be the person that's like yeah that's canon absolutely so uh maybe there'll be an apple scar on his forehead and yeah. if you time travel to the future there could be maybe like it was a lightning bolt people yeah. are gonna burn you that could be it yeah the stakes uh the next one is the three wise men they're not referred to as being why. Just we three kings of Orient are. That's in a song. That's like in a Christmas song. Yeah, it's a Christmas yes. song. Yeah. Um, there were three gifts and more than one magi. That's Ma- it. Magi? Magi. I didn't know there were That's magi. That's the, the king. That's oh. how they refer to the oh, king. okay. So, yeah. That's awesome. So we've associated if there are three gifts, there's one magi for each. Oh, okay. So yeah. some of them just kind of tagged like, hey, what are you bringing frankincense? Yeah. Oh, I, I was going to bring that too. Can you put my name on that card? Yeah, I'll put my name on the put card. Put my name on that card. Could be six kings. Yeah. That's okay. me. I identify with that. And then that one dude that brought gold. Oh, you did you not die. get the $20 yeah. limit? We had a I, white elephant limit. Myrrh is a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. Do you get it? Don't oh Myrrh? Who, who needs that? Well, a baby doesn't need myrrh. That's the joke. That's yeah, why I brought exactly. it. I can't. Uh, gold? Really, yeah. Greg? Uh... A whale did not swallow Jonah. He swallowed Pinocchio. I knew this one. There you go. Absolutely. A great fish swallowed Jonah. Okay. So Jonah was still swallowed, but mm. not by a whale. Uh, but if you play Spyro, there's an egg in a whale's stomach. So that's a big deal. I an Easter Spyro. egg. An Easter egg. Of course. It's an Easter egg egg. Mm-hmm. Uh, this saying, money is the root of all evil. Not in the Bible. I didn't think so. That, no. Was that supposed to be from the Bible? Some people think it is. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, know. have you ever met one of those like really, really militant uh, people with their faith, just in general, and yeah. they just kind of like spit out random sayings, just to, like explain things to themselves? Mm-hmm. I think that's where it got popular. I mm-hmm. think that was kind of the big deal for it. It's like, oh, well, money's the root of all evil. It's like, well, no one said that. Mm. I do that with um, quotes from The Office. Like, I'll just spit those out. I'm like a militant uh, follower of the I'm office. I'm like that, but with South Park. I'm terrible about South Park quotes <laughs> all the time. Um, this too shall pass, which is also a common saying. A lot of people associate it with the Bible. That's okay, go. Not in it. Not mm. in the Bible. Okay, I thought yeah. okay, go, that was their song. They it's okay, go. It's a really? band. That's the one who does all the crazy music videos. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, apparently it came from Mike, Mike Ditka. The Bears coach. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. So He's, everyone attributes this quote to the Bible, but it came from Mike Ditka. Mike well, Ditka. Well, if you're living in Chicago, he is God. Mike. So you're saying Mike Ditka is kind of like, like a fan fiction author? I would believe so. I like that. I like that too. Uh, I'm gonna grow out a mustache and wear a robe. Oh, please that's, do. That's dark blue and orange. Have you ever seen Kicking and Screaming? Yeah, oh yeah. He's amazing in that movie. Oh, that's right, he is in that he movie. He is in that movie. That's a severely underrated movie. As far as like silly. No, I thought Will that Ferrell. and I rewatched it as an adult. Keep it in your past, kid. Just <laughs> don't rewatch it, please. That's okay. That is, yeah. I still love it, but like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, cleanliness is next to godliness, not in the Bible. 
didn't again that's that sounds like a hallmark card i didn't think that that's like yeah a, is that an ad campaign from clorox or something uh i believe so yeah mm-hmm. yeah probably in like israel but no not here uh god works in mysterious ways also not in the bible okay so the point of all these mm-hmm. is I mean, could this not just be contributed to, like, this is, like, one big game of telephone? Are you getting at that people are creating their own interpretations of Christianity, whatever, and it's being, it's capturing the the larger imagination? People are taking it on. People are making it their canon. That's what you're getting at here? Well, I would say it's probably a mixture of both, mm-hmm. for sure. Because it's definitely telephone. People are just misremembering quotes and mm-hmm. saying them differently. Or you hear a really profound quote and you're like, oh, that's got to be from the Bible. You know what I mean? Especially if it has to do with, like, God or a higher power. You're like, yeah, that's that's the Bible, hey, of course. this though shall pass. Exactly. That sounds no? biblical. That, exactly. That sounds like some dirty mustached man from Chicago said it. He probably said like, right before, I bet she's on the rag. I bet but she's on the rag. Pass. Hey, she's on the rag. <laughs> now we're striving into yeah, yeah. Guido territory. Um, yeah, uh, so angels are mentioned in the Bible, not with wings. How do they fly? They just fly. Okay. Peter Pan, I believe. Oh, but, ma- so magic fairy dust? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, so the the common interpretation of the devil being red, horns, pitchfork, fork right. tail, yeah. all that. Not in the Bible. That's like an ad. Again, that's like an ad campaign. No, I actually believe that was uh, either Paradise Lost or um, Dante's Inferno. Okay, yeah, I thought yeah, that Dante's yeah. Inferno. A lot of, uh, Dante's Inferno is like one giant fan fiction. It, it is, so it's Paradise Lost. And I think a lot of people get their, what they envision, like hell and heaven, they that's, get it from Dante's Inferno. That's exactly my point. That so is like the, the ultimate fan fiction. What is it, the seven circles of hell or right. nine circles nine. of hell? I think nine. it's nine not in the Bible, that is Dante's Inferno. Mm-hmm. And that's actually modeled after the Greek interpretation of the afterlife of Hades. Mm. You know, oh, so that's a, he did a crossover. A little bit, yeah. He, wow. he, he stole it, for sure. Kind of like it, today, today's fan fiction is a crossover. Exactly. So this is similar. Yeah, so I'm not saying, I'm not saying Christianity is a fan fiction. I'm just saying that a lot of common uh, ideas that we have were rooted from like you know, were created in like 1080 to like Mm -hmm. 1500, especially since, you know, like priests not allowed to marry, not in the Bible. So that actually came about because in the middle ages, priests were just going to town on people's wives. It was their wives on their wives. Yeah. So they would say, they would say, you know, if we sleep together, I'll, I'll I'll put in a good word with God for you. Does this have anything to do with like tithings? Like hey, you don't yeah, have to pay your, a little bit. You don't have to pay your tax. Yeah, you do. and so the the men all got really annoyed that the priest was just like sleeping around town, <laughs> and uh, one of the ways they had to you know help the church is by saying priests can't get married at all because it's like well, you can't get married, you can't have sex. Boom. Solve that problem. Try to find a loophole in that one, guys. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. Where are the altar boys? Um, what else? What else is there? Uh, oh, like a halo. It's not really mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. A concept of a halo. That came from Beyonce. early... 
Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, she did. She did. The the people in the Middle Ages actually took inspiration from her when they were doing their paintings, mm-hmm. where they put the halos behind them. Was that just like a, an artistic choice? Like the yeah. lighting would come from the most important figure? Yeah, like a Holy Spirit almost. Okay. Like you would know that this person's divine, blessed by divine grace, because they have a halo. They have okay. the, this golden light behind their head. Yeah, just so you, if, you, if you're you know, not a very learned person, you're mm-hmm. just looking at this painting, you can point out the important yeah. folks. Especially back in, you know, like 1200. Mm-hmm. Nobody could read. The priest could. Mm-hmm. So you're taking his word for everything that's in there, and you're just staring at this stained glass, or you're staring at these <laughs> triptiches or, you know, paintings. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, okay, it's that guy. That's I'm, Jesus. I'm following along. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess I guess the last one I really say is, like, um, cursing. Cursing. That's There's no mention. You can't use Yahweh's name in vain. Mm-hmm. But the actual, I mean, I, I, okay, so here's Mm -hmm. where I've always grappled with this is that, okay, you can't use that particular word in vain, but I think it's about the intention. Like if I said, ah, cornflakes, the the hate is in my heart. It's all about the intention, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So that one, I don't, I don't, uh, where are you going with this one? Explain this one to me. No, I'm just saying the only mention of like a forbidden word is Yahweh. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm fairly certain even there's not anything about that like, like with jesus mm-hmm. so when you were a little kid or when i was and i you know, i was never a little kid actually okay when that's you a, were birthed thing. from your cloning chamber came right out of the that's fine right out of the tunnel for those of us who are natties <laughs> yeah you fools well one of these days this is going to be a real conversation and some clones can be like what an idiot Standing up for clones. I don't even have a belly button. Kyle XY. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, Where was I going? I don't know, but that was just such a deep reference. But I think a lot of people get it, yeah. No, they're not. When I was a little kid, and I'd say, like, oh, Jesus Christ. And my mom, you know, don't say that. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. You and your mom sound really similar. When I was a kid, we sounded identical. Identical. I used to, like, uh, you know pick up the house phone for those of you who know what that is still and you know dial into it and call places and be like molly i'm like oh <laughs> so uh yeah how sad uh yeah so i mean that's that's pretty much my point about the the whole christian thing is I, i'm not making fun of anyone's mm-hmm. religion i'm just saying that there are a lot of misconceptions in the religion there are a lot of ideas that we have about it mm-hmm. that are not rooted in the source material right and it it's because it is it's a thing that religion in general i think it's something that just speaks to people on yeah. such a deep level that yeah. it inspires this and you think about like a dante's inferno or mm-hmm. like the painting on the sistine chapel like Maybe it didn't necessarily speak to yeah. the pain. I mean, he was kind of mocking the whole thing. But it speaks to these people in such a way that it inspires them to go out and create something. Exactly. Or to go out and live their life a little differently. Right. And these yeah. people create something transcendent. And I would say something similar happens to people when they when they find a story that they Absolutely. really like. Yeah. It inspires them. And they can't. it's like they can't keep it inside of themselves. So they type it out on yeah. a keyboard. And they upload it to fanfiction. They upload it, yeah. And it's, I mean, there's a lot of people that talk about religion that say, like, you know, maybe I don't believe that someone came back from the dead, or I don't believe that uh, the Earth's 5,000 years old, but I really believe that if I follow this set of morals, I'll just be a happier person. 
maybe I'm not a good person. Maybe I'm just a happier person. Hmm. And I think there are a lot of people like that nowadays, our generation, where... You got anxiety, you're stressed, you don't have a lot of answers to things. Exactly. And you weren't, as a child, encouraged to be religious by your parents. Sure. And then you find Superman. You find Harry Potter. You find Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And you see these people as role models. Some of them are, you know, Superman is basically a god and Mm -hmm. he can't create life. But, and you see like, oh, he's brave. He always goes out of his way to do the right thing. And you're inspired by it. So I'm not saying people should think Superman's God and start a religion. I'm just saying, uh, in the grand scheme of things, what's the big difference? You know what I mean? I get it. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So that was that was my opener. That was my opening point. It's a good start for a comedy podcast. Good. Yeah. Of course. Let's <laughs> chew on some thick nuggets. <laughs> some for a heavy. Comedy podcast. I really wish I had picked something a little more. With a little more depth. <laughs> because this story I have for you today, um, I would say there, it's like we talked about. You know, mm-hmm. it's got nuggets where it, it tries to deal with some bigger things, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know. I just, I love a good slasher. Oh my God. Okay. I love a good, you know, oh, Friday God. the 13th. Yes. You know, Halloween. Love it. Mm-hmm. This is kind of in that same vein. Okay. Um, so if you're ready, if you, if you have any other thoughts, you're ready to embark upon this journey with me? Let me uh, let me refill my Gatorade and let's do this. All right. I'm so, ready. So as we know, the, the title of this fan fiction is, uh, and again, the author will remain nameless, but we'll give you the title and of course. pretty much all of the words to it so you can find this. Um, so the title, as you know, is Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. Fortnite. And Fortnite. Hashtag Fortnite. And I, I think it encompasses you know, three major things. Okay. The first one being... One of your favorite, we've talked about this, one of your favorite stories, the, the dystopian story, the universe, okay. yeah? Um, Battle Royale, which is, I don't know if you know, it's a, it's a 2000 mm-hmm. Japanese film uh, based off a 1999 book of the same name, and the animated educational program, Arthur. <laughs> okay. Do you know Arthur? Are you familiar He's with Arthur? He's an aardvark. He is an aardvark. I know that. Okay. Uh... What's the the girl's name? Well, we'll step through that. Okay, we'll go through it. All. I just okay. want to start off with like a you know, just give a quick overview of what exactly a dystopian tale is. Okay, from you, from your perspective, because you are such a fan. Okay, um, well, we have the concept of a utopia, mm-hmm. which is like the perfect place. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's actually based on a book from the 1500s. Cannot remember the author off the top of my head. A dystopia is the opposite where things go wrong. So, great uh, examples. 1984, Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World, Clockwork Orange, I believe is considered dystopia. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hunger Games, for you kids out there. I believe Divergent is also considered dystopia. I'm glad you mentioned Hunger Games, because that leads me to the second major inspiration for Mm -hmm. this, this, uh, this, uh, this fan fiction. And it, it feels like a novel. I almost said novel. It feels like a novel. It's eight chapters, but we're gonna we're gonna get through it. Okay. Um, which is Battle Royale. So Battle Royale, two thousand um, Japanese cult horror film, and it's about a class of ninth graders. Are you familiar with the story? Uh, a little bit. Is it a book or is it an uh, an anime? It was an actual book. Okay. A novel. Um, it's about a class of ninth graders that live in like a near distant future where the youth are out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so in order to you know get a handle on them. 
they put them in a competition, and I don't want to give too much away, where they essentially fight to the death. Okay. So, again, this was written in 2000, way before Hunger Games. So this this yeah. was a touchstone because it it depicted especially the movie children fighting each other kind of like a Lord of the Flies how controversial that was yeah um, so it was like banned from being sold in the United States like no, no nobody allowed it um, but it ended up inspiring all these these different things chiefly being Hunger Games um, Suzanne Collins of course said Battle Royale never heard of it yeah never heard of it excuse me what Amy Schumer what but um and again I don't want to go into the plot because this is essentially a retelling of Battle okay. Royale, and uh, maybe you'll see some parallels. So it's a little closer games. to a retelling than a original. It. Uh, what I like about it is that it is it is true to both Battle Royale and Arthur. Okay, mm-hmm. that's perfect. And in case yeah. you're wondering, Fortnite actually got its name from Battle Royale, the the, the movie. Did it really? Exactly. It's a direct inspiration. Really. So that whole genre of games, like player yeah. unknown, you know, mm-hmm. battleground, that is all the same exact concept. Bunch of people get dropped yeah. in, they fight to the death, one person survives. Okay. So I I've always because I've always been pretty critical of Hunger Games, being mm-hmm. such a lover of uh classic dystopia, you know. The being, giver. Did you mention the giver? That's a good dystopia. The giver, yeah. 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 Uh but being a lover of like classic dystopia, if there's even such a genre. Um and then you know, people go, Oh, you like nineteen eighty four? You'd love the Hunger Games. Never read it. Never read Never it. Read I've it. seen the first half of the first movie. I get it. Whatever. Um, so I've always been, you know, critical of Suzanne Collins for taking the Battle Royale idea. Mm-hmm. Was that a unique, original to the Japanese story? Yes, it was. 100%. Well, I mean, when you think about it again, yeah. you think Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Bunch of kids. Thanks before it. But the idea of adults taking children, forcing them to fight and kill each other, directly battle royale. Not if you ask her lawyers. Really? <laughs> Suzanne Collins? She, she said she, she hadn't heard of it when she submitted the manuscript for her first book. She'd never heard of battle royale. Okay. Never heard of it. Quentin Tarantino says it's his, his favorite film. It's the really? best film ever made. That's hilarious. Um, so again, in that same vein... The fan fiction, the, the fandom that this is based on mm-hmm. is Arthur. And for those okay. of you who don't know, it is a Canadian-American children's cartoon starring, quote, bespectacled aardvark Arthur <laughs> as he demonstrates to kids how to deal with childhood challenges such as homework, teachers, and bullies. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to list off because I, mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I watch our Arthur fairly regularly. But I'm sure most of you yep. haven't seen it in a while. It's been a while. So I'm going to list off kind of the, some of the main characters that appear in this. All right. Um, and I'll do my best to describe them, but please feel free. Pull up some pictures. Look at a cast photo right now. Kind of reacquaint yourself because okay. that comes with the, some of the, the hilarity of it. So we have Arthur, obviously, the eponymous aardvark. Um, he wears, you know, the classic. Have you ever seen mm-hmm. that meme? Yeah, the, where he, the fist. Where he's clenching his fist. Yeah, he's Everyone clenching. Knows That's Arthur. His best friend is Buster. Buster, he's the bunny. He's a bunny. He's a yeah. white rabbit. He wears he, blue. He's got a nice, nice turquoise sweater pulled yeah. over a pink polo. Everyone knows Buster. Then we have one of his friends, Francine. Um, okay. She is described as a tomboyish and sporty monkey. Um, she she wears mm-hmm. she has brown hair and she wears a, a red sweater. All these kids are in third grade. I just want to point that out. These okay. are third grade. They do general third grade things. Okay. Like another, kill each other. Like kill each other. Okay. Uh, another one of his friends is Muffy. Again, she's a monkey. Okay. She's the quintessential daddy's girl. She wears a pink dress. She's going around. She's always high fashion. She's very mm-hmm. rich. Um, 
things like that. Then we have Brain. He's a bear of Senegalese okay. descent. I don't know if you knew is that. that. Really, that is true. <laughs> and Brain's thing is he's very smart. He wears like you know a sweater with a collared shirt that pokes out of the top. There are bears in Senegal. In this universe, there are. Okay. In this Canadian American children's universe, there are. Why am I questioning it? Exactly. Then we have this one's a little less known, so I would encourage you to look it up. Actually, I have a picture of him right here if, if you want to take course. a look at him. Of course, that's yeah. him right there. Billy. It's okay. Billy. Uh, he's like a light brown bear. Yeah. He just like got very round face, very childish, mm-hmm. a little buff. He looks. He's kind of a bully, a yeah. little bit of an antagonist. Then we have Binky. 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 He's a bulldog um, who is quote in the third grade for the second time. Okay. <laughs> and he is the leader of the quote. Tough customers. That's like the group of bullies who antagonize Arthur and his friends. You know, I, I just to go on like a quick rant. Please, yeah, everyone do. talks about how bad the American educational system is. Look at how they're already just trashing this kid who couldn't grasp third grade. We're like, oh, he's the tough guy. He's the bully. <laughs> he's the it's tough like tough customer. He's a tough customer. I just. Hey, sometimes you don't get it. It's not a big deal. But why do you have to turn him into, like, the stupid bully? You should... I, I hope you look up a picture of him. His belt is pulled too tight. It's, like, flapping oh, yeah. in the breeze. And yeah. I, he's got I, teeth pointing mm-hmm. different directions. He's great. And the last character I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up, his name is George. George. He's very easily missed. He's not I'll curious, picture is he? Of him. Nope. He's a moose. Oh, okay. And he's, quote, very shy and introverted. I don't recognize George. prone to nosebleeds. He was in the background of a lot of episodes. Okay. Um, he is kind of kind of the, the, the shy and quiet mm-hmm. one, um, and often draws the ire of the tough customers. Oh, so they're no. kind of the bullies. Oh no! I, I, to him, is he like often reading like comic books and stuff? I don't do know. Do they do that in this? He's he he reads a lot of poetry. Oh wow! So they're they're making him sensitive, and the tough customers have to pick on him. Exactly, and there's various stories. I encourage you to to die, do a deep dive and just binge Arthur after this. Oh. Is there a bunch of Arthur fanfic online? Okay, so another reason, <laughs> before we dive, jump into it, is I have read this before. This okay. was one of the ones I naturally gravitated towards. <laughs> um, Arthur fanfiction is, is fantastic um, because we all know the characters. Okay. And I had a couple that I wanted to pick. I ended up going with this one. I think mm-hmm. it has broader appeal. But there were some really, there were some ones where I remember reading them and I was just like, if you just renamed the characters, it would be huge. Huge. Like how they took Twilight fanfiction and changed the character's name. They became Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. That's what I'm talking about here. Wow. Wow. Some of this stuff is high art. High art. High art. Okay. And again, I talk about how I'm not easily blown away or impressed. Or shocked. Or shocked. Or shocked. This shock. Okay. In a way, I haven't shown before. Really? Maybe not the story exactly, but I like this one a lot. Okay. And I'm happy to be sharing it with you. I'm happy to hear it. You ready to get to it? Let's do it. All right. I also forgot to mention they live in Elwood City. That comes up in the beginning, just didn't want you to get lost. I wouldn't dream of it, so. Okay. So I'm going to begin at the beginning. Elwood City, in the country of Alamania, was under totalitarian dictatorship as well as a very oppressive regime under the rule of Bear President Pete Carlston. But all residents call him Grandfather. Ironic to the nickname itself, he was the youngest-looking grandfather you have ever seen. He was in his 50s, and despite his superior appearance, he carried out several of the strictest and most undesirable laws you could ever imagine, and arguably the ruler of the most oppressive regime in the world. If you dared object... 
The sentence would be death by beheading. They would take you to the spare room to perform the horrible deed, whilst the stomach-strong jury and lawyers and judge sat there watching the punishment take place. It was all right for them, as the regime had been occurring for 75 years. You were under surveillance 24-7. You never knew when you would be run into an installed security camera. There was little to no privacy, no matter where you went. And these cameras had sound tracking devices as well as chemoreceptors and thermoreceptors. If you dare lay a finger on them, you would be brought to jail. Life at Lakewood Middle School was nevertheless a burden for students. Being shut off completely from the outside world, all news and lesson materials were filtered through the government. Not only were they disappointed about their future, but they were... This kind of gets sloppy. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to cut to the chase. They pretty much graduated from high school and then had compulsory labor and military service. That's where we're going with this. Okay. So what are you thinking so far? How do you, how do you think this world is being built? Uh, I would say pretty typical dystopia, for sure. It checks all the boxes. Right? Yeah, for sure. It checks all the boss, boxes. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty typical. You say dystopia is what everyone kind of thinks nowadays. And don't, don't worry about remembering the name of the bear president, Pete Carlson. Because grandfather. He, he literally doesn't show up again. <laughs> okay. I don't know the reference. Yeah. The reference. He doesn't show up at all. It, it kind of has a uh, City of Ember feel to it. I don't know if you've ever read that. Oh, uh, yes. Absolutely. Bill Murray. Yeah. Did you see the movie? I did not see the Bill movie. Bill Murray's in the movie. Okay. All right. Also, there's another important thing about this opening passage I want to point out is that it is the first occurrence of whilst, which shows up a lot. It's going to show up a lot. Whilst. Whilst. Wilst. 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 That might be another trope. Okay. Okay, so the general gist of it is Arthur and his chums are hanging out in class. They're complaining about the regime they live under when their teacher comes in and surprises them with a trip to the woods. They're going on a field trip, Alex. Okay. So they're on the bus. Um, you know, they're getting ready for whatever. It's, it's, a, it's a big mystery to them where they're going. And it's a very long ride. Um, and, you know, they're kind of chatting, and they're in their friend groups. Um, Binky, Buster, and Arthur are kind of hanging out. Um, they're chatting. Binky. Binky. Which one's Binky? Binky is the bulldog. He's the, the big bully. The bully. The bully. The, the second grade for the second time. third grade twice. Third grade for the second time. Thank okay. You. He's a tough character. He's a tough customer. Cuff customer. Tough customer. customer. Um, he pulls a prank on Francine and Muffy, because they're girls, Okay. Uh, by dumping a can of worms over their head. And Francine, quote, Francine gritted her teeth. You will pay for this. <laughs> Which really comes out of almost nowhere, but it, it really gets you going. So they're on the bus for a while, and everyone falls asleep. Uh, Arthur wakes up and notices that he's the only one who's not knocked out. And he also notices the bus is moving very fast, too fast to be, you know, land transportation. Mm -hmm. So he gets up, and he, he starts to try to wake up the others when... The bus driver comes up from behind him, clubs him on the head, knocks him out cold. Wow. So is there a teacher there, or is it just the bus driver? Just the bus driver. Okay. So now we begin the next, uh, the next excerpt. Eventually, Arthur woke up in a gloomy classroom. This was definitely not a classroom back at school. He breathed out a sigh of relief. His head was better, but still in a bit of pain from the hip. As he breathed, he felt something tight and uncomfortable attached to his collar. He touched his neck and whoa, whoa. felt it. He has a collar? He has a collared shirt. Oh, okay. But he does have a collar. He has a cold, hard, metallic collar. 
He comes to, and he sees that Buster is in a similar situation. Arthur, wept Buster. What the hell is this? He asked, referring to the necklace on his neck. And you have one, too? The necklace looked exactly like his own. Metal, cold, tight, and constricting his throat. It was a collar that looked more like a dog collar made out of metal. Mm-hmm. And then we have Francine. She comes to that everyone's freaking out. They don't know where they are. They're all having this, you know, crisis. Uh, Muffy comes to and says, this is so unfashionably atrocious. That's her. Wow. She's just afraid of how she looks. That's a big vocabulary for a third grader. She's all all about about fashionable. So they did not have to wait that long before the lights turned on, revealing soldiers in the corners of the room. The door swings open. In steps Mr. Ratburn. Do you remember Mr. Ratburn? Maybe. Mr. Ratburn was their teacher. Okay. His name is Nigel. Nigel Ratburn. I'm um, assuming he's a rat. He's a rat. Okay. He's a rat. He wears a green jacket and like khaki pants. He's pretty over the top, pretty theatrical. Um, so he, he comes in. He, he reveals that he is kind of the mastermind of this, and he starts lecturing them on the nature of the game. He starts with this. North Korea, China, Japan, Soviet Union, Somalia, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Vietnam, Yemen, Libya, Cuba. What do all of these countries have in common? Asked Mr. Ratburn, the brain, the smart guy, mm-hmm. raised his hand. They've all been involved in war or conflict, which is good he said about any country. Excellent observation, <laughs> brain. These countries have been involved in war, and like them, you will be experiencing a war right now because you have all been invited the game of battle royale <laughs> and this is just like I, I, cool I, I, I'm, I'm picturing you know in uh the original mortal Kombat, where it's like mortal Kombat. that's what i like that's what i'm picturing yeah. right now it, does the list of countries ever come back the list of countries never comes back. that's such an arbitrary list that's such a i just like that they included like yemen yeah and somalia i okay well <laughs> all right <laughs> united states canada yeah france They've all been involved in conflict. Yeah, I mean, they have human beings who have fought other human beings. Like, yes. Okay, so he explains to them that since the world is no good and full of wars, civilians like you need to fight and kill off each other to survive, and they do it for entertainment. Again, this is not based on Hunger Games. This is based on Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Uh, so is it like a survival of the fittest thing? So if you win this battle royale, do you just go being like a, a clerk after this? Like you just go check people out at a grocery Whoever store? Whoever wins gets the privilege of returning to normal life. Everyone else is dead. With the blood on your hands. With the blood on your hands. Okay. I, I, there's a lot of things you can dive into with like maybe this is the regime's way of making you just feel appreciated mm-hmm. just to have a normal mundane life. I guess so. But, I mean, no one really explains it. They just want to see the, the kids. You want to see the carnage. Exactly. Yeah. So... They're told they've been selected for Battle Royale to honor in the society. Um, in order to return home, they must be the last person alive. They're on a remote island in the middle of the ocean. It's got nothing. It's just forest, beaches, a couple shelters. Um, it's very barren. It's like a survival thing, you know? Okay. They can't escape to society. And then Mr. Rapper says, By the way, you're all wondering, what is on my neck? Well, it's an electronic collar. It has chemoreceptors, thermoreceptors. Mm-hmm. They come back as well as soundtracking devices, so no matter where you go, your teacher will always hear you. They are waterproof and shockproof, so they cannot get in any way get damaged. You can forget about taking them off. If you jiggle them for a prolonged period of time, attempt to rip it off, or disrespect your teacher, he or she has the right to act. Oh. A red dot and beep will sound, indicating that it will explode and kill you. They are controlled by a special remote, which is owned by 
the the teacher thing's kind of weird to me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like setting up the father figure, which should have been Pete Carlson, if you ask me. But he's not in this at all. Remember? The grandfather. grandfather. Well, he's a grandfather figure. He is. He can't get his hands dirty. No. This is what I think is the most important part. As we come to the conclusion of Chapter 1, he says, you will all be assigned a particular weapon. Could be an axe, sword, you name it. Oh, so you can't even pick your weapon. No, you're assigned it. Okay. You will be told which weapon you have, and you're given a map of the island, a compass, and various uh, supplies. The game takes place over a course of three days, um, and they have danger zones. So again, not based on Hunger Games. No, so there's no where we drop in boys. No. You don't get to pick where you start. You're dropping, everyone's dropping in the tilted immediately. Oh my god, okay. everyone already has a weapon. That's carnage. Get get the busted. Um, So there are danger zones, they announce them. If you're in a danger zone at a particular time, your color, something happens to you. It's very unclear. He says, don't be in the danger zones. Okay. Um, So then they're all given their weapons, which is hilarious in its own right. But I'm just going to highlight a couple. Of course. So Arthur has a knife. Buster has a gun. What? Francine. (laughs) It's down there. Why did they give the tough customer the best weapon? Buster is not the... Buster's his friend. Oh, oh. Well, okay. I'm getting there. Francine, the uh, the sporting monkey, the, the red sweater. She gets an axe. Muffy is given a bow and arrow. What? Brain is given a mirror. What? George, the kind of nerdy moose, yeah. is given a scythe. Billy, that, that brown bear I talked about earlier, is given a chopper, which I, I only assume means... It's a shed. type of knife. I'd say it's a type of knife. Yeah, like a meat cleaver. Bigger knife, meat yeah. Cleaver, yeah. And then Binky Barnes is given an ice pick. And that's how the first chapter ends. Binky Barnes is the, the bully, the tough customer. The okay. Customer. An ice pick. Ice pick. Do a lot of damage. You can do a lot. That's how uh, Lennon was killed, isn't that? Is it Lennon or John Lennon? Yes, he was killed with, with an ice pick. Not who I was talking about, but and one of tragic, the Russian. Tragic mountain climbing accident. One of yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. I do remember that. I, that's that episode of SpongeBob's based off of that. Yeah, where they're in the box and they talk about climbing. Mm-hmm. It's a John Lennon thing. Very tragic. Very yes, tragic. I miss you too. Me too. You too. Good band. Me too. Me too. Us too. Okay, so now we begin the competition. And the way this is set up, I just love the structure All right. of the story. Um, so in each chapter, whenever someone dies, it ends with the current score. It announces who is dead, how many people are down, how many people are yet to die. Okay. And then it has a quote from the deceased. Oh. Which is just, you can just dive into It's just... So is the so quote well actually from the show? The quote, I don't know where the quotes are coming from. Oh my the God. The quotes come from how they died, how they... Approach the game, their character. I this is what really kind of drew me in. This is just an interesting setup. Wow. I like okay. It. So the game begins. Arthur and Buster they're running out. It's in the middle of the night. They quickly find each other and they team up. Literally against all the rules that were just set, but they're still teaming up. Okay. They meet up with Francine and they perform a trio. So they uh, they see off in the distance Muffy, the rich girl. Mm-hmm. Around. Um, she's, Big vocabulary. She's, she's standing on a hill just far away and she's, she's flagging them down and she's saying, hey, do you want to join me? But she's being very loud and they're hushing her. They're trying to get her to be quiet, but she's just, hey, hey, come on over. Oh, no. And she hates her weapon because it is, quote, unfashionably vomitrocious, which again... She's used unfashionably twice. But she now uses vomitrocious, which is her catchphrase from the show. Okay. I just want to explain. I like that. that. Okay. It, it is, again... Yeah. It's cute. It is cute. So her yelling gives away her position. Of course. And a, quote, chopper swished right through her neck, slicing her head off. It rolls down to the feet of our heroes, and oh they run off with Billy laughing maniacally in their wake. 
Uh, Billy grabs Muffy's bow and manages to land an arrow in Francine's arm as they flee. Wow. Um, then Arthur says this quote, which I think is really weird, but I love it. Um, as they escape, he says, Billy, whispered Arthur, so that's the one who's getting all hard on us. What? What is that? Where is the... he's, he's calling a tryhard or something. Like, Billy's really thriving in this environment. As a bully, he's getting all hard on them. Well, when you've been through the third grade twice, of course. They're fighting a fourth grader. That's not fair. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like when that one kid on like the middle school basketball team is like, obviously, oh, yeah. puberty. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're just way ahead of everybody. Yeah. Up. Like, if you ever played a rec league sport mm-hmm. and the... Uh, it was based on grade and not age. Unfair. Oh, my God. Or that kid who was born in, like, January. So they had all that. They were, like, technically 12, but they were huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was born in January. And I was born in July. So I was <laughs> with the Cubs with the little kids. I should not have been with them. I was not developed. Um, so the chapter ends with the announcement. Muffy Crosswire, dead. 19th place, one down, 18 to go. Quote, I've never had a best friend like you. Wow. So they're pulling this from, like, the show. I guess. That's tough. It is. Wow. So, um, Arthur, uh, I just want to point this out. Mm-hmm. To kind of cleanse the wound, Arthur lifts Francine's sleeve whilst pouring water on it. So the next chapter um, centers on George. An unconventional choice. Not a main character from the show. No. So um, let's just jump right into the quote. He's surrounded by a group of tough customers. Now, excuse me, I'm going to say some of the names. I didn't really introduce them. Yeah, it's they're fine. Super crucial That's characters. fine. He's surrounded by the tough customers. <clears throat> Quote, Look at your ugly antlers, jeered Slink. Are you going to whip your hair back and forth? Dyslexic loser, head butter, doll admirer, laughed Kuiper. It was not long before Billy lifted his chopper up and with one swift movement chopped off one of George's antlers. Ooh. The tough customers all laughed as George's antler fell to the ground and George's eyes began filling up with tears as he picked up the antler. Half antenna head. Jeter Kuiper, <laughs> crybaby, dyslexic fool. George would not endure another moment. He gritted his teeth in anger and screamed out, You son of a bitch! He raised the <laughs> antler and slammed it into both of Kuiper's eyeballs. Kuiper screamed yes. in pain as his eye sockets were reduced to crimson, oozing holes while Molly, Slink, and Binky ran away in fear. Go ahead and laugh at me, bastard! Laugh! You think you can do any of that? Now is the fucking time! <laughs> Come on, said Billy, waiting to admit that he was a little afraid of George. There were more fishes elsewhere. As he started to run away, Kuiper lay there blindly stunned. George had never been so profane before. He was remembered as that awkward boy who loved reading and would not stop clinging to his books. He was the shy boy who found it hard to make friends. How come all of this was happening? To add to his torture, George snatched the electric razor from Kuiper's belt and shoved it into different parts of his body and face. Like tearing up styrofoam, George leaned down and shaved off Kuiper's scalp and face along with the flesh of his head until it was reduced to a skeleton. He dug the shaver into his brain, sending matter flying everywhere. With artistic movement, George dug the shaver into the flesh of Kuiper's throat and shaved it off too before he stomped on his spine and snapped the skull off his body. Dear God... George has entered the game. George is in the game right now. Kuiper has left the chat. <laughs> what is it, press F for respects? <laughs> press F to pay respects for Kuiper. So here we go. Kuiper Johnson, dead. 18th place, two down, 17 to go. Quote, 
Some of you have the nerve to bring me down like this. How are you going to do Kuiper like this? What? They don't say, how are you going to do Kuiper like I this? I added that. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was going to say, all right, Rose Arthur. Is, is good enough, though. Okay, so we're about to start the fourth chapter? That was the third chapter, yes. Was, so we're about to start the fourth. Correct. We have eight total. That's right. So there's five left. Mm-hmm. And there's 17 children left. They start dropping. Okay, I'm scared, but let's do it. <laughs> How are you feeling so far? I think it was actually re- really well written. Right? Like, I'm I'm almost scared at how well that was written. I, I love this take on George. Yeah. I love this take. I, I like how, you know, it's almost smart for the author to take a character that has nothing fleshed out about them, and it's just like a blank canvas. It's a blank canvas. You can just, it's your chunk of granite, carve out what you want. Carve out, Chisel out what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quick question. So, I'm, I'm very visual. Mm-hmm. Are you picturing the animation style of Arthur and all these kids are killing themselves? Absolutely. Or So you're not picturing like anthropomorphic, real-life-looking versions of the character? I think you can do whatever you want, but I'm definitely picturing the cartoons. No, I'll go there. I like that. But placed in a real-world setting, like kind of like superimposed on this. So setting. like that awful Jimmy Neutron, Timmy Turner crossover? Yeah. They're not 3D. They're flat. They're still two-dimensional. In a 3D space? You know, the mind's eye is mysterious. Okay. You know, there's a you know there's a, uh, there's a there's a there's a group of people who don't picture things. They can't picture things in their head. Okay. So when they read, you know how like, sometimes when you read, it's like mm-hmm. you're watching a movie. Yeah. They don't see that. They see just the words, and um, they describe it as it's like somebody they when they read a story, it's like they imagine someone telling them a story, and they're just sitting there like, oh, okay, they're thinking of the words and what they mean. They don't see anything in their head. Wow. So I'm not going to tell anybody how to envision anything. Okay, of course. I was just. Which I'd be on the same page. Same page. Because I would, again, encourage you to look up the characters because they're just so cute and adorable. Yes, I know that. Okay, so the next chapter, not a lot happens. Um, the danger zones are announced and no one is in. Okay. It just kind of drones on and on and describes the island. Mm-hmm. Um, a group of girls, um, led by a couple notable characters, form a survival group to hide and they're not going to fight anybody. And we get this quick vignette of Alex Thompson, who is a minor character. He's a cat. Um, and he kind of, he's just, he's frantic. He describes he lost his map in the okay. hustle of getting out of the, the drop zone. Um, he has He's just running through the forest. He has no idea where he is. He hears these danger zones announced. It's kind of cool how they do the danger zone from a bunch of different perspectives. Okay. The announcement over these mm-hmm. dangers. Um, so the quote is, panic grips him as he realizes that he doesn't know if he's in a danger zone. He feels an impulse to run wildly until, bam. He steps on a landmine, and he explodes. What? So this chapter pretty much serves to demonstrate the power of the danger zone. You don't want to mess with mm-hmm. the danger zone. So he was trying to run away from the danger zone, and he found one. He had no idea where he was. So he thought the best course of action was just to run. He kind of felt like trapped and boxed in. It does a good job of explaining that feeling of claustrophobia and just okay. not knowing. So number seven, Alex Thompson. 17th place, three down, 16 to go. Quote is quote. I did this for my family and friends, not just for myself. I feel like there's such a rich Arthur lore that I know nothing about. And Alex gets, he only shows up, he gets no characterization. You must feel personally attacked by that. I do a little bit. He could have his own fan fiction. Me, Alex, or the the character Alex? A crossover between Or together, yeah. yeah. Maybe you swap. Oh. Maybe you swap universes. That'd be super cool. Someone write it. Someone write it. Let's do it. Put it in the chat. Let's do it. So in the next 
chapter even less happens. Um, we go and we again visit those girls um, who are kind of banded together and they're taking a pacifist route. Uh, okay. Sort of like an Amazon thing. Kind of. I mean, yeah. They're just hoping to kind of ride this out. They don't want to hurt anybody. But what happens at the end of the three days? We're getting there. Okay. Um, so, but one of them can't take the stress. Her name is Prunella. Um, and she just decides she can't take it. She is she an OC? Is she an OC? What does that mean? Original character. No, Prunella is, uh, she is not. She's, a, I believe, I have, like, peripheral characters written down somewhere. Um, you can look it up. Okay. She's a cat. She's a cat. A cat. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so the quote is, but that was it. Prunella jumped off a cliff as her body was pierced by the sharp rocks beneath whilst the rest of her dead body flew into the sea. So there's a quick... Wow. Prunella wow. It's just kind of... It's, it's getting to these kids. Okay. It's starting to crack. Yeah. So number 19, Prunella, dead. 16th place, four down, 15 to go. Her quote is, like I could give a damn shit about this game. <laughs> so it can't be from the show then. I, I I haven't seen every episode, so I can't... It would be irresponsible for me. That's to true. Just That's true. Yes to that. Okay. So if I had... If I was betting, I would bet it was not from the show. If you were betting... I mean, you know, it's it's like been around for 20 seasons, so... That's, it could have gotten really mature. It's a little blue there. Yeah. It grows up with its audience. Yeah. Okay, so the next chapter we return to my favorite character, George. George. Last we left George, he was... Mutilating someone. Mutilating. He was bullied over the edge, and he's now in this lawless land where he can extract revenge. I, I bet he played too many video games as a kid. I bet he did. He was reading poetry, though. He was a shy introverted kid. Oh, yeah. Violent poems. Probably. Poetry is poisoning our children. Yeah, we gotta get that out of there. Let's start burning those books. So, it's okay. Burn them. Back up with George. He was okay. completely shattered mentally. Here's the quote. George had his antler and scythe stuck into his belt whilst he continued around the island, determined to find more victims. It was easy for him to name them. Some of them bullied him, called him names, and ruined his life. Those moments motivated him that much to seek revenge. He continued up a mountain trail until he bumped into Slink. This is one of the people who he encountered mm -hmm. earlier. Slink, having completely forgotten... What he just saw George do says, "Move it, half antenna head," and he spits at George. Well, he couldn't have forgotten. That's what uh, Bink. I think I think Slink actually called him half antenna head, which set him off. You know, I'm I'm very impressed that the insults even sound correct. Like they sound like they'd be in Arthur, <laughs> half antenna head. Right, exactly. Um, so George is like comatose he gives no reaction he's just standing there and he's mocking him telling him to move and he eventually steps to the side and then slink continues down the trail quote without a moment to waste george pounced on slink and pressed the blade of the slight scythe on slink's throat tongue twister setting blood everywhere the pain in his throat paralyzed him he was too stunned to do anything he tried to scream, but his mouth and throat were clogged with so much blood he could barely produce a sound. I thought that this scythe was going to suck, George said as he pressed the scythe <laughs> deeper through the circumference of Slink's throat. But experience has proved me wrong. He continued to press the scythe through the neck until he successfully sliced off Slink's head, sending it rolling down the mountain trail. Stamping on Slink's body, spewing out blood from the throat stump as well as crushing several bones and organs... 
He grinned in satisfaction before he ran down and collected the dismembered head. Ripping out his eyeballs and slicing off his ears, nose and tongue with the scythe, he pressed his foot on the head, his white school shirt now completely drenched with blood. Who are you calling half antenna head? He scoffed <laughs> as he sliced off one of Slink's ears. Half antenna head. He chuckled and walked away, leaving the body in head behind. I'm sitting here trying to figure out whether or not he's more messed up, or if David is. Or the author. Or the author. Or the author of uh, Rectified Anonymity. Good plug. Yeah, but I wonder who's more messed up. We're going to have a poll at the end of the season. Oh, yeah. Not we, messed Twitter up. Poll. Who's, who's the most uh, artistic? You're artistic in your killing? <clears throat> artistic in their thoughts. Okay, all right. You okay. say so. So Sling Smith, dead. 15th place, 5 down, 14 to go. Quote, I came here ultimately to win. Oh my god. Slink's ready to go. Okay, I just want to point out, Slink, who in the show is depicted as like a dim-witted bully, mm-hmm. you know, relatively straightforward death statement. I came here ultimately to win. Yeah. But he's kind of dumb in the show, so it doesn't match his character. I'm still no. trying to hunt down my success, but it's okay. So this next chapter is called, I call it rather, Shit Goes Down in the Hut. So this is that <laughs> hut that I talked about. Oh um, god. With all the girls again. One of them has just committed suicide because she can't take the stress. Um, so Brain arrives. Okay. His first appearance. He arrives. Um, one of the girls is cooking a casserole for the group. Oh, well, hang on. Hang on. A casserole. It's instant casserole. It was part of their survival stuff. Okay, thank you. Because I was going to say, you, there's so many ingredients to put in a casserole. You need, like, crackers. She's cooking a souffle. <laughs> She uh she's cooking Kobe beef. She's making a word. <laughs> um, okay. So as they sit down, one of the girls, Maria, um, takes a bite and then immediately starts convulsing and <gasps> she dies very quickly. Whoa. Her name is Maria. Number twelve, Maria, dead. Fourteenth place, six down, thirteen to go. Her quote I didn't think that the world would suddenly close up on me. Wow. And immediately chaos breaks out in the hut. Um Fern, which is one of the girls, she shrieks out at the the chef, LaDonna. She says, LaDonna, what the hell? What the hell did you put in this? She swears it was just the casserole and the water. They're starting to think maybe the water's contaminated. They can't drink it. Fern, not buying it. She says, you lying, skanky, semen-drinking whore. <laughs> she, she leaps Semen-drinking whore. She leaps on LaDonna. Uh, LaDonna's weapon is barbed wire, mind you. So she wow. wraps it around Fern's legs, trying to you know pop them. Fern pulls out a scalpel and immediately begins stabbing her continuously in the heart until she's lifeless. Wow. And can't move. I just, you know, how did this weapon placement take place? Someone has a gun. Someone else has barbed wire. Someone has a mirror. <laughs> Brain has the barbed wire. Brain is the mirror. Oh, my Lodonna God. Okay. The, okay. So she's dead. Um, LaDonna, dead. 13th place, 7 down, 12 to go. Her quote. I just like to make up stories to get attention and make new amendments. What is that about? I have no idea. <laughs> very, very strange. So, this seemingly, you know, kumbaya friend mm-hmm. group is now in disarray. Shambles. Shambles. So now we rejoin our heroes. Okay. Buster, Arthur, and Francine, who, whilst eating their breakfast, learn they're in one of the danger zones. So they got to get out of the area... But Buster gets pinned down by a deranged brain. 
So Bran, oh. witnessing this chaotic scene in the, in the hut, is he's lost it. Wow. He takes off. Wow. And he and he just comes out of nowhere and tackles Buster. So he's got him pinned down, and it's it's really funny. It's like Brain has this wicked smile on his head, and he's got a broken shard of a mirror, and he says. According to the laws of trigonometry, the square of sine theta plus the square of cosine theta makes one, whilst cosine two theta is the square of cosine theta minus the square of sine theta. Isn't that great? Oh boy. And then he goes on about how much he loves the, the beauty of mathematics and how it makes sense to him, and it's it's the only sense of order in this chaotic world. Okay. And it's really great. So Buster is struggling, gasping his brain, is laughing and like torturing him, but then Buster remembers his gun, which he dropped. He grabs it, and then the quote is, so he's talking about geometry and trigonometry. Mm-hmm. He says, at a perfect angle, he shot Brain right through the heart. Which I think is like a nice like way to tie it's it. It's poetic. Yeah. yeah, it's good for Brain. At the perfect angle. The perfect angle. I'd like to think he just died immediately. He, he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's dead. Okay. There's a lot with the math there that just doesn't seem like it makes sense, he's but... A, he, that was his, his shtick in the show, right? Is that he would just start... Spout. That's like the Big Bang Theory. It's like the Big Bang... It's like at the end of Wizard of Oz when the Scarecrow... Oh, my God. Sites, yeah. Um, the Pythagorean Theory. Pythagorean yeah. Theory. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Like the, oh. The, the yeah. Oh, my God. So it's, they just did that on the show, so I, I, like, I like that they brought it back. I feel like this author got a really basic word-a-day calendar... And the day they wrote this, just pulled it off. They're like, oh, whilst. 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 Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So whilst recovering from the attack, um, they see the remaining members of the hut. They're hailing them. They they must have followed Bran. Mm -hmm. And they're still, these remaining few are desperate to still make peace. They still want to form a group. um, And they're on this hillside. And if you remember correctly from the beginning of our tale, not many great things happen to people on hillsides you'll think back to our friend Muffy. Oh. So, quote, before the girls could reach up to them, they felt their bodies being cut up into pieces with a chopper. Fern screamed in horror as she began to run away, dodging the chopper, revealed to be Billy, who was attacking them with the chopper. Wow. Luckily, she was alive and out of sight before Billy could get to her. So... Fern is the only one to escape this group. Everyone who was in the hut is now dead. Wow. Dismembered by Billy or shot by Buster. Or uh, poisoned. Killed himself. Okay. Or poisoned. Or, or okay. stabbed to death. Wow. Yeah, it's getting heavy. Um, so, well announced all the dead. We have Brain, um, Jenna, Sue Ellen, two of the girls. Mm-hmm. 12th, 11th, and 10th place. We're now 10 down, 9 to go. I think if I think if you were an ancillary character, you weren't going to make it into the top ten anyways. Exactly. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. I yeah, bother yeah. You're, I, you're more than welcome to go look them up yourself. I would love to read a fan fiction where someone kills all the main characters, but one first, and then just develops all the others yeah. in that time. Yeah, like blank canvas. I mean, I think they would yeah. do that with George. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it'd be a little too repetitive if you did it with all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we have our quotes, of course. Brain's quote is, according to my calculations, I believed that the end was near for me. That's pretty good. And then one of the girls is, God, can you ever fall for anything worse? I don't get that one. No. And then the other girl was, I was not just the new girl. I was the special new girl. (laughs) That's like some Twilight stuff. (laughs) Okay, and then we have our next, we've gone to our next 
um, chapter where I really think this story kind of matures. Okay. So we're on what, chapter six now? Yeah. Okay. This one, I call this one Chance Encounter. They're not titled. I just call this one Chance That's Encounter. That's fine. So we pick up with Fern. She has just escaped Billy. Um, and she runs into another member of the Tough Customers. Her name is Molly. She's the only female member of the Tough Customers. Okay. She's a, a little progressive. She's a poodle. She's a poodle. Yes. Poodles are mean, so I believe it. This is an anti-poodle podcast. I kind of yeah. don't mind poodles. They're okay, but they just... They're bred to fight. I think that's why they're mean. They're mean. They're mean dogs. It's just like dachshunds. Dachshunds are not nice. Hmm. They're bred to chase badgers. Well, badgers are hardcore. That's what I'm saying. Cool. Imagine the thing you make to fight a badger. They're nice dogs. They're not nice dogs. No. Not good boys. Never. Okay, so their meeting is tense as uh, they distrust each other, obviously, as a bully and they're in this situation. Mm-hmm. But they slowly begin to open up to each other. Um, they kind of share their life story. Um, Molly talks about how her younger brother soaks up all the attention from her parents, so she wanted to, you know, she felt rejected, she mm-hmm. felt alone, so she joined this group, the Tough Customers, to find a home, to find friends. Okay. And then Molly... Uh, so that that is Molly. Um, let me find my place here. Uh, Fern, you know, she she sympathizes. She's like, you know, I I had similar experience for for better or worse. Um, so we'll cut to the quote. She says, "It's okay, Fern. Sometimes our personalities are the consequences of bad things that happened in the past to us. It's psychology, weird yet true. And to tell you the truth, I wanted to be your friend and you know, hang out with you, but I thought you were just a dweeb." And you were too afraid to mingle with people who have come from a background like me. She says, I see. She says, so you don't hate me anymore? No, of course not. I was just curious because, Molly, look out! Oh, no. Molly turned and screamed as she saw Billy holding the chopper. (gasps) Molly was dying as Billy stabbed and cut her with the chopper as blood flowed from her and the pieces scattered all over the place. Fern screams out now. I won't do it now, but you can imagine like a Luke Skywalker Mm -hmm. now. And she kneels behind Molly's dismembered body and weeps. But before she knew it, Billy had jammed the chopper into her back. What? Leaving her to bleed beside the body. So he was just waiting there. He caught up. He caught up. Wow. So Molly, done. Fern, done. Seven? Twelve down, seven to go. Wow. Molly, I just didn't want to be a loser. And Fern, being in this world was more than anything to me. See, that, that's a little meta. What world? Being in this world. Being in this world, the world of the game, the world yeah. of this dystopia, the world of Arthur. That's what I'm asking. Is she in the game? She didn't seem to enjoy the I game. I don't think so. I think, she, I think this is just highlighting how simple... She, she, she was high on life. Now. She liked life. I really, it's, a really good, it's a really good chapter where two characters kind of have yeah. this conversation and come to a better understanding of each other. And then get just... Just destroyed. Butchered. Okay. All right, so this next chapter is uh, Binky and Rattles. I didn't mention Rattles. Rattles is... A tough customer. He's a tough customer. Okay. (laughs) He is the... um, He is... So Binky is the founder of the Tough Customers. Rattles is the very first member. I would honestly... If you said there's a group called the Tough Customers, there's two guys, Binky and Rattles, I'd be like... Rattles is the the mastermind. Binky. Rattles is often depicted wearing a leather jacket. Of, of course. He's got a North Jersey accent. 
Oh my god! Does he wear like sunglasses too? Uh, I, I've never seen him in sunglasses, but you know, you can draw that. I'd like, like to think that in this, he's wearing those, uh, like one of those early two thousand edgy kid flame shirts. You know what I'm talking <laughs> like about? Guy Fieri yeah, shirt. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, Rattles is what Rattles is a great character. He shows up a lot in a lot of Arthur fans. Okay. So they they um they run into each other. They discuss their friendship, the history of the group, and the origins of it. Um, Binky reveals that he created the group because he was insecure about his somewhat feminine interests, dancing, art, and nature. Um, wow. So Binky's... he's Binky, Binky's deep. Yeah. And Rattles shares that he too felt insecure in his masculinity because his father was an alcoholic who would react violently when he displayed any signs of weakness. Okay. And he was abusive. Um, quote, it's okay, Binky, said Rattles, rubbing his shoulders. At least we understand each other. And Binky says, I, I just regret those years I lashed out at my parents like that. You know, I thought the pressure was just petty. I was scared to tell anyone my interests, and they just loved and cared me, cared for me. Now that I know that you understand, I'm glad I have someone to talk to. And then me too, agrees Rattles. I was scared to tell everyone about the things I like because I feared everyone would laugh at me. But there's something I really want to tell you. And then Binky says, what is that? Is he gay? Rattles leaned forward and kissed Binky vigorously. I knew it. Whilst tears streamed down. Whilst. Rattles? That, Rattles says. I wanted to tell you I loved you. I was scared to tell you because since you were the leader of the tough customers, I thought you ridiculed me. I love you. I was scared to admit that I was gay, and it was an epic fail when I did so, confessing to my mom. She grew ashamed of me and would not even look at me. Wait, does he say epic fail? He says epic fail. You can't take anything seriously when someone says epic fail. It was, an, it was epic fail when he came out to his mom. Could you imagine, like, hey, mom, uh, I just want to tell you something. I'm gay. And then your mom just... Epic fail. Yeah, like what? Like, okay, epic fail. Who cares? Okay, so Binky says, Binky consoles him. And then Rattles asks, so, do you love me? Binky was stunned, horrified at these words. He could not help but feel sorry for him. But that was not enough for him to have romantic feelings. Rattles. Look, Rattles, said Binky, now that I know you better, I understand that you are a genuine, decent guy. But, Rattles, look out! Oh, you can't use that twice. Billy was standing behind him. This madman! You madman! Rattles stared in horror as Billy began slicing him into pieces with the chopper. Is he eyeing Binky he's while he's doing himself it? getting cut up. Wow. Binky is sobbing. He yells out to Rattles. In rage, Binky takes out his ice pick and jams it into Billy's back. He <gasps> just starts going to town. You son of a bitch! He screamed, try me! Fucking try me! You think that you can beat me? Huh? You think that because you're a tough customer, you're, you're better than us? He screams out in anger and mutilates Billy's body. Billy is dead. Wow. So, Billy's dead. Rattles is dead. Binky's the, the only one alive. He's alive. Rattles. Billy. Seventh and sixth place. Fourteen down, five to go. So we have Arthur, Francine, mm -hmm. Buster, mm -hmm. Binky. Mm -hmm. Who's the fifth? George. Oh, no. There's a madman on the island. Rattles, quote, I wanted to be something big. I thought I'd be afraid to show it. 
That's a deep. That's a wow. It's a great character, Billy. I can give a shit about this game, but you guys can fuck with me in eternity if you want to. Oh, what? He knew it was happening. Yeah, just fuck with me. You know, we'll kick it in eternity. I know I was kind of crazy back yeah. then with the chopper. But yeah. I was just trying to win. You can't fault me for that. I ultimately came here to win. Yeah. Just like Slink. Yeah. Okay. So now the stage is set. We have our five remaining characters. Wow. Um, and this is the plan. I call this the plan begins. Okay. How are you feeling at this point? I would say that it is an Arthur story. Mm-hmm. I kind of would have liked it if Arthur lost one of his close friends at this point. No? It starts to wrap up really quickly. Okay, because I I feel like, you know, it's a little unrealistic for the three of them to just get away with all the stuff they've been through. I mean, you want to think about all the things that I've talked about. A lot of it hasn't happened to them. They've been pretty fortunate. Up I, I guess they've just been hiding, if you can hide well. I mean, it's a big island. What are the odds of all these chance encounters? Yeah. So we're in the penultimate chapter. So this is seven. It is. Okay. Arthur, Francine, and Buster find Binky. He's in disarray, completely destroyed by the death of Rattles. He is shaken, but now more resolved than ever to cling to this group of friends. He's not going to lose anybody. They forge on, and eventually they find a computer in the woods. It's just sitting in the woods. It's a laptop? Desktop? Uh, I like to think it's like a 90s desktop. Oh, yes. That's, <laughs> that's, that's Arthur. Depicted. Yeah, it's yeah. That's Arthur. There's no sleep. Nah, no. Bros. No. But it's in the. It's kind of like when you have a dream and you just need like a deus ex machina, just... Computers. Mm-hmm. So they find a computer. Don't think about it. Um, Arthur uses it to communicate to his friends without the caller hearing them. He types out messages they can communicate okay. without speaking. How does he know it's not connected to the network of the callers? It's just a terminal. He's not sending anything. I mean, he's just typing it out and okay. erasing it. Okay. Um, he has a plan to deactivate the callers, but they need to collect a series of items. Wow. Smash cut. They just collect all the items. All right. It's like a huge list. Do they, they just get them all. Does he go through the process, or does he just say, oh, they got them? They got them. Okay. Um, so they have all the items, and they deactivate the colors. Oh. And then we get into the quote. We did it! Cheered Arthur, high-fiving Buster. I'm proud of you guys, said Francine, giving Arthur a kiss. <gasps> Arthur blushed. It was his first kiss. Oh. And with Francine. And then here, Binky actually apologizes about the, the can of worms from the very beginning. That really? He on Francine, and then Francine says, you know... All people are like that, so this was just a petty thing. It couldn't possibly have affected us, so... Binky, look out! Oh, not a third time! Binky turned around to see George swinging his sight. Binky fell to the floor, screaming in pain. George continued to slit and stab Binky until his body was drenched with blood, and he lay there motionless. Buster breaks down, he's kneeling, he's sobbing, and George pins him to the ground. Oh, no and stabs him continuously with the scythe. Francine is screaming out in horror. She hates George, considering that just a couple days ago he was a quiet and nice guy that he had no capacity to kill, but now she hates him. And he's got one of our characters pinned down. So Buster's not dead right now. Buster is being ferociously stabbed. He's okay. losing lots of blood. Francine takes her ask, her axe. Yeah, you're good. Her axe. 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 Let me ask you a question. She takes her axe and chops off George's head. <gasps> so how injured is, is Buster? We're getting there. Okay. George, Binky, 
fifth, fourth place, 16 down, three to go. Biggie's quote, I've never felt so warm being surrounded by friends. Wow. George's quote, I didn't think I would make it this far. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like George before all of this madness. He's like, oh, I, didn't, I didn't even think I was going to make it this far. I'm, honestly, I'm surprised at myself. Could you imagine, like, him leaning over someone just stabbing them blood everywhere, and he just looks up and he's like, I couldn't imagine I'd have made it this far. I'm pretty good at this. Wow. Pinkies is beautiful, right? Yeah. And, but what about George? Like, how simple is that? Like, he had, I thought, one of the most compelling arcs, this descent. Absolutely, and yeah. And that's that's it? Yeah. This almost seems like an anti-bullying story, too. <laughs> like, oh, don't... Don't pick on the quiet kid. He'll chop you up. He's going to snap and stab you with his antler. He snaps hard. So, now we're on the last chapter. Finale. Okay. So, Buster is gravely injured from his encounter. He is, quote, obviously paralyzed by his wounds. They can just look at him and they're like, you can't move. So, fed up with this game, they return to the school to confront Mr. Ratburn. Whoa, how do they get back there? They just, they go back to the, the school is like the center of the island, the drop zone. They're not actually dropping anywhere. Well, so they've been on this island this whole time. Alamania is on the island? Alamania is the country that Elwood City is in. So Elwood City is an island. This island, I think, is just in the Pacific Ocean. It's mentioned somewhere that it's in a remote location. Of the Pacific. They go to school on an island? No, they get ki- that's the whole deal. They were going on a field trip. Okay. And they get, you know, kind of kidnapped, essentially, and they're brought to this island. But you said they go back to the school. This is the school from the beginning when they, they come to, remember? They come to oh, okay. the classroom. Okay. So they go back to this, this classroom. From yeah. The they go back to the starting point. Okay. Um, they, they go on there on the final day, the third day of the competition, and Mr. Radburn is surprisingly not angry that they work together. Quote, It pains me to see the three of you reduced to this. You were my favorite students. You were so sweet to me, did what I told you to do, never provoked me. You are much better off you're much better to me than my ex-wife and children who never treated me like a father. I divorced them so that they could get out of my life. I honestly thought that the moment I saw you all, you were like the sons and daughters I never had. And for that, if I was to die with someone, it would be with you. Oh, no. Mr. Ratburn goes to his blackboard, and he reveals this painting that he did of the carnage. It's all of the murders, all of the death of all of our characters, and at the center of the painting are Francine, Arthur, and Buster peacefully holding hands in kind of just like this oil canvas. Mm-hmm. This is actually directly lifted from Battle Royale. I was going to ask, how similar is this? This is extremely faithful. That part is extremely okay. faithful to the... Because this, this sounds a little too crazy for someone who already wrote all this to make up. It sounds like it has to come from Battle Royale. At this point, kind of just like puts it in autopilot and kind of for, the, for this part, it mm-hmm. goes with a very accurate following. Of okay, the okay. Um, so he says, if I had to choose to die with these people, it would be you. He he um, he says this whilst deactivating their collars, and he gives Francine a gun. But I thought their collars were already deactivated. They were, but he's he doesn't know that, so I guess he Okay, okay. Them. He says, go ahead and shoot me. I've lived a shitty life. I've done everything I could. Go ahead, shoot me. Francine has the gun. She's hesitating. She says, Mr. Ratburn, like, I can't do that. I respected you as a teacher. I, I can't do this. She's mm-hmm. still torn up about having to take a life, no matter how defensive it was. Oh, George. Come on, said Mr. Ratburn. You can do it. Go ahead. Shoot me. Shoot me. 
Francine's hesitating whilst all Arthur and Buster are just determined to get out of there. So Arthur snatched the gun from Francine and shot Mr. Rapper right in the head. Whoa. He just grabs it and pops him. What? They take off their collars and they like just, <laughs> the auditors just, they just like chuck them in his body. They're like, eh, take it. Nah. Just throw it at the big He's dead. What's the big point? He's not going to mind. No. They set out of the classroom and walk through the hills. The sky was a cloudless blue. The grass was green and the sun was shining. They arrive at a pier where a, uh, a boat is waiting to, for them, and it ferries them off the island. They reflect on how much they have changed from the third graders who arrived on the island. Arthur sighs a relief as the final announcement is read. Game over. Winners. Arthur Reed, Francine Frensky, and Buster Baxter, deceased. <sighs> Quote, I'm glad that we work together as a team. Wow! So he dies from his injuries on the boat. It's beautiful how he slips away as they have this this discussion. Wow! Epilogue. Oh no! Okay, let's do it. This is what I consider the most beautifully written part of the story. Oh my god! Buster, and this is told from Arthur's point of view. Okay. Buster died peacefully on the boat that day before we could get back home. This uh, is the this is the like. Um, uh, what's it called? Pipes are playing. Yeah, and they just show them like drifting off, and it's like the voiceover. Exactly. <laughs> However, I have reunited with Francine once again. We got extreme makeovers so that no one could recognize us. What? Despite <laughs> what? Don't worry about it. Despite all of this, we are still Arthur and Francine inside. Once we have accomplished all of the intensive and complicated documents in order to leave this damned country, we plan to leave find a better life out of this regime and hopefully live a good life since we are friends as well as lovers. <laughs> Even if our friends died, they are still with us inside. Even after their mourning and after their funerals. We still have our axe and our knife, but only for emergency cases, if anyone dares to mess with us. Hopefully, when we leave, we can have a good life, get married, and have a family. We have no choice but to run keep moving forward i take francine's hand and run to the north no matter what happens run for all you're worth keep going and never give up run is that directly from battle royale or that is not in battle royale wow that is an epilogue that's the end wow that's the story that was a whirlwind a whirlwind Mm-hmm. Jesus, that's all I can say. I, I hope you know you don't get too lost with all the characters and everything. No, but it is—it's it, pretty I, straightforward. I I enjoyed the story a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, I liked it. I liked it a lot more than rectified anonymity. <laughs> I can tell you that. I have a similar. You have your five criticisms. Um, obviously, for me, I would have loved more George. I think you mm-hmm. really flushed that out. There was so much promise showed in those last chapters with those conversations and putting you know different parents yeah. and characters together. That could have been the whole whole story. Yeah. Um, and then you know, grammar and punctuation. Yeah, could have been a little better. Okay. What are five things it did did well? Did right? I think it. Um, I, I, love, I, love, I love the characters. Yeah. Made you care for them. Some of them, like you know, some weaker plot yeah. lines, like you know, the girls in the hut. And the poison. Them. The poison just kind of shocked. That's again directly from Battle Royale, so that's not a um, 
that wasn't a choice. I think they just had to include that. Okay. Faithful to the original. Okay. And, um, okay. Did a really good job with the characters. Yeah. Um, and it's it's funny when you think about mm-hmm. it, like the little cartoon characters killing each other, but uh, it also <laughs> is just like a, it's just a good. It just puts characters in situations where they have to make decisions mm-hmm. based on who they are. And you yeah, think it works? It works. Else. Yeah, I think it's true to all the characters, except for George. They kind of go off the rails with him, but I, you know, I love that. You, you do it with one character, it's great. Yes, I think it worked. Mm-hmm. Wow, fantastic! I enjoyed the story. Master for storytelling ah, on your point. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Wow. You got anything else or? No, that's it. I wrote. I, I kind of threw this all together at the last minute. Well, it's a longer story. It is a long. To story. be fair. <laughs> Rectified anonymity was like twenty five hundred words. This was probably what twenty thousand. Gravity is the soul of wit. Yeah, I, how, many, how long was this? Twenty thousand uh, words. Eight chapters. Yeah, like and an epilogue. Mm-hmm. Can't forget the epilogue. Love that epilogue. Yeah, right? run, just run. run. Dun, 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 run. Oh yeah. yeah, man, that almost reminds me of uh, World War Z. Did you, did you ever see that movie? Oh, is that when they go to like an island at the end? Like Brad uh, at the end, it's just he's like pulling up on a speedboat. His <laughs> luscious locks are just flowing. He's yeah. like, "I made it. I'm getting back to my family." And it's probably nothing like that, but that's just what it feels like. It's just obnoxious, but that's that's how it feels to me. It's just Arthur on a boat. Like his ears are just going with the wind. Francine's in like some like weird bikini, but it's not weird because they're older now. Yeah, Buster like is in a he's got a blank and he kind of just yeah, and out just of existence uh, like Yoda. Uh, I, yeah, and then they get to a shore and they just light the boat on fire and push Buster's body out, give him a Viking funeral. Yes, yes. Fire pyre going down. There. Oh yeah, but they shoot at a flaming arrow. Oh, the so they they who is that? Muffies. They take Muffies bow yes. and arrow. Oh yeah. Hey, you've been paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I listened. Wow. Yeah. I, I think, liked it. Yeah, that was good. I, I think that's a fitting epilogue to this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So, everyone out there, remember: run for all your worth. Run. Run. Don't stop. Run. Run north. And epic fail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but okay, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Follow us wherever. You guys know our stuff at this point. YouTube, Twitter. YouTube, Twitter, Tumblr, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. And if all goes well, Apple Podcasts soon. Uh-huh. Big announcement. Yeah. So if all goes well, Apple Podcasts, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, smash that subscribe button on YouTube. Smash it. Like, favorite. Smash, like, favorite, everything, guys. Come on. And uh, tell your friends. Yeah. And do we want to have a challenge for next week for the one person that listens? Uh, I came up with the last one. Would you like to... Would you like to formulate something right here? Okay, formulate something. Um, so we've, we've, gone, we've, we've done a nice slasher. Yeah. Violent one. Yeah. Uber violent. We've done a very sexual... I'm not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed. We're not going to have an uncomfortable moment standing up after this because we don't want the other like one to see... Like yeah, yeah. I had to... I, well, you remember I stayed in the chair for like a good thing. Yeah, yeah. No, me, me too. We were just relaxing, just casually talking about it mm-hmm. and our grandmothers mm-hmm. just to... Get it off of our minds. Get it off our chest. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, okay, so next week. Um, 
Or remember, you can slide into our DMs, email oh. us, suckmyfanfic at gmail.com. We'll accept it. That's the name of the podcast, by the way. Did we say that in the beginning? Oh, yeah. Suck my fanfic. Suck my fanfic. Yeah. We're burying the lead here a little bit, but suck well, my fanfic. you got to listen this far to hear the lead. That's right. Um, hmm. I kind of like, I like the idea of taking from something else. So, like a crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of the genre comfort? No. Comfort is, it's kind of, it takes a character and horribly, horribly abuses them. Okay. And then it puts them in the company of another character who kind of just cheers them up. It's like this weird, it's not hmm. weird, it's a very specific, it's a specific genre. There's a lot of comfort. Yeah. Fanfic. So, I mean, that's, just, I, that's. See, I, that's I would do that, but I just. library shelf this week. I just had a really good idea. All right, let's hear it. All right, so, it is the Back to the Future story. But with the characters from the room by Tommy Wiseau, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. You can figure out who Doc Brown is. All of that. And you can fully let Tommy be his dad. Exactly. Tommy is his own dad. (laughs) Uh, uh, Just go wild with it. I think there's a lot there. Johnny. It is Johnny. His name's Tommy. And uh, you know, one guy with the glasses. Who's like, why are you cheating on him <laughs> at the end in the party? Make him Doc oh, Brown. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's not yeah. what was that guy's name. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the dog. The gets pushed to the ground when they're playing football. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Playing He's just randomly in a tux for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he could be Doc Brown, you know? And then the, uh, you know. Got, Johnny's got to be Doc Brown. Johnny's Doc Brown. No, no Johnny's, Johnny's Marty. Marty yeah. He's an American hero. Yeah. He's an American hero. Yeah, Airy American man. Hero. Uh, and then you know Doc always has a different dog like Copernicus mm-hmm. that can just be the doggy from the rose store the flower store mm-hmm. oh hi doggy yeah thank you Johnny you're my favorite customer that could be his mom <laughs> thank you Johnny you're my favorite son okay we're gonna start a new podcast where we just reenact the room that way we can we'll clear <laughs> some space on this podcast absolutely yeah. so look for that one next week mm-hmm. and episode three I guess I'm leading it so Alex will return as our story master yeah uh, if you don't like me as story master, just listen to every even odd pat, mm. even ugh, every even podcast. Not instilling a great amount of confidence in the <laughs> none. In uh, all right, guys. Well, thank you. Like, share, subscribe, smash the sus- subscribe, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, have a great week, everyone. Yeah, and remember just to run, run, run.